Now, I don't know if you're aware, but there seems to be an inordinate number of sayings going around all about ears. Like this one, right? If you want to say a book, it's looking a bit scruffy and a bit well-worn, you say it's dog-eared. That's right. If you want to say something's really good news, you're really happy to hear it, you say it's music to my ears. If someone's a bit green, a bit naive, a bit impressionable, you say they're wet behind the ears. When someone's been talking about you, your ears have been burning, haven't they? There's stacks of these sayings all about ears, like uh, keep your ear to the ground, the walls have ears. The list just goes on and on. But you know, there's one of these sayings about ears that we ought to be particularly aware of this morning because it describes exactly what Luke is warning us against in this passage. You've probably heard the saying before. It goes like this. In one ear and out the other. In one ear and out the other. Now the passage that we're looking at this morning in Luke, it's one, a sermon of Jesus. And look, it would be a massive mistake, friends, a monumental mistake for us to let it just go in one ear and out the other, in, out the other this morning. In fact, that's exactly the warning that Luke gives us. He flags really clearly that this section is all about hearing Jesus' words and putting them into practice. Hearing Jesus' words and putting them into practice. So have a look with me right at the start in verse 17. And there Luke tells us, A large crowd was there, a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, and they'd come to hear him. So you've got the picture that there's this massive crowd, they've come to hear Jesus. Now jump right to the end of Jesus' sermon, verse 46. And there Jesus says to the disciples and to all the crowds who are there, he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I'll show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. Friends, make no mistake, the big emphasis of this section is that Jesus is calling on us to hear his words and put them into practice, to act on them, to be obedient to them. And so it is absolutely no good coming here this morning, sitting down on your seat, opening up your Bible, hearing Jesus' words, even saying you trust him, saying, Lord, Lord, it's no good. It's all just a waste of time if it just goes in one ear and out the other. And look, it's true, isn't it? We can only put into practice what we've heard. So let's start by hearing together what Jesus has to say. Let's start by listening together to his words. And all the way through this section, as we listen to Jesus' words, let's keep thinking, wrestling with how we can be practically, realistically putting these words into practice in concrete ways, okay? Let's keep working on that. And as we hear Jesus' words together, we're going to see, or rather hear, that he's calling us to three things, okay? He's calling us to have a radical focus. He's calling us to radical love and he's calling us to radical generosity. Now, Jesus starts by giving a series of parallel blessings and woes. That's how he starts his sermon. You might have noticed as it was read for us earlier, there's four of them, four blessings and these kind of parallel equivalent woes. And look, I'll be honest from the front, right from the start here, there's stacks, okay? There's lots you could say about this. But, you know, the big vibe of this section is that what we do now, what we do now is prefaced or informed or influenced 
by what will happen in eternity. And look, the radical focus Jesus is presenting here, it's an eternity focus. This idea where how we live now, our actions now, are influenced by what will happen in eternity. Now let me pick on the last one just as an example. The last blessing and the last vote. Uh, I was going to get it up on the screen. Who's got the clicker thing? There it is. Sorry. Uh, okay. So I'm going to pick on the last one, the last blessing and the last vote. All right. Um, just so we can par- compare them a bit more easily, it's on the screen there. And what we're going to see is that Jesus is calling us to a radical focus, a complete reversal of the way that the world sees things, okay? Instead of being short-sighted, focused on the here and now, how our, all our actions are right about now, this moment in time today, the radical focus Jesus is calling us to is one where how we live now is shaped by eternity. So have a look. This is the first blessing. Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their fathers treated the prophets. But woe to you when all men speak well of you. For that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. Friends, can you see how radical that is? Can you see how Jesus is calling on us there to have this kind of eternity focus? I mean, of course, we all want to be liked, don't we? Uh, We all want people to speak well of us. We want to have friends. It's natural. That's part of being human. We're made to enjoy relationships with one another, and that's good and right. But what about Jesus? Do you desire for Jesus to speak well of you? Let me tell you, his good opinion is worth far more than my opinion. His opinion is worth far more than your opinion. You see, here Jesus is calling us to a radical life, a radical focus. Our lives have got to be radically committed to Jesus. And look, he pulls no punches. Honestly, that might mean that you might lose some friends. It might mean that you get overlooked or left out, even by your own family. Being radically committed to Jesus might mean that you find it hard to get ahead at work. It might might mean that you find it hard to make any progress in your workplace. It might mean that you miss out on things. There's just things that you won't do. It might mean being ridiculed and mocked. And if it does, rejoice. Rejoice in that day when you suffer because you're following Jesus. Why? Well, we're told there because you're being treated like one of the prophets. Because great is your reward in heaven. Because great is your reward in heaven. Does that mean anything to you? Do those words just go in one ear and out the other? Friends, make no mistake. There will be a day when God will reward his people. When he'll reward those who have trusted in his son Jesus. Martin Luther, one of the great theologians of the Reformation, he once said this. He said, there are just two days in my calendar, this day and that day. This day and that day. What a fantastic perspective that is. That's exactly what Jesus is talking about here. How we live today has got to be shaped by that day. 
that day when Jesus comes back and eternity begins, when God rewards his faithful people with an eternal reward. And so, friends, keep standing up for what is right and true today, even if it means people hate you. Keep meeting together with other believers like we're doing right now, even if it means you're excluded from other things. Keep telling your unsaved friends and family and neighbours and workmates the good news about Jesus, even if it means you're insulted time and time again. Keep refusing to be involved in slander or gossip or dishonesty or stealing or sexual immorality, even if it means you're rejected. And look, friends, don't be surprised by these things. As followers of Jesus... Look, Jesus pulls no punches. Trouble and hardship and persecution, he tells us, they will come. But when they do, Jesus says, rejoice. Rejoice in the day when you suffer for following Jesus. Leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. Look, I wear glasses because I've got a mild form of myopia. In other words, I'm a bit short-sighted. I can focus on things up close really well. I can read my Bible here. But things in the distance, they're all fuzzy and blurry. Like all your faces are out of focus for me without my glasses. I've got myopia. Friends, let's not have spiritual myopia. What Jesus is saying here is that he's radical. It's like a pair of glasses for our souls, helping us to see into the distance with clarity, helping us to focus or maybe refocus, helping us to make eternity with him a reality in our lives now today. So where's your focus? Hear Jesus' words, friends. Let's live with this radical focus, an eternity focus. Let's live lives where here and now is shaped by the reality of eternity with Christ. Friends, I've got to ask you, are you hearing Jesus' words here? He doesn't want this to just go in one ear and out the other. So what difference is having a radical focus, an eternity focus, what difference is it going to make in your life this week? Now chances are this is going to work itself out in different ways for all of us. You know, we're all in different circumstances. Uh, We're unique. But you know, at least one way this radical focus will work itself out is in radical love. So let's pick up Jesus' words from verse 27. But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak... Do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. I don't know about you, but I can't help but read those words and just think, really? Is he serious? If someone hurts you, like, like, don't stop it from hurting you even more? Really? If someone takes your jumper, don't stop him from taking the shirt off your back as well? If someone comes and breaks into your house and robs you and takes your stuff, don't demand it back. 
Don't seek compensation. Don't seek revenge. Is that really what we're supposed to do? Give to absolutely everyone who asks from you? Seriously? How literally are we supposed to take these commands? Because make no mistake, they are commands, okay? These are not suggestions. They're commands. How literally are we supposed to take them? Look, the overriding issue in all of this is love, isn't it? Love for others. Love for one another. Now, what exactly does that look like? Well, verse 31, I reckon, gives a real good summary of it. Verse 31. Do to others as you would have them do to you. You see, friends, as we hear Jesus' words here, he's calling us to a radical love, love that's other-person-focused, love that's outward-looking, love that seeks what's best for another. And so, you know, look, we don't have to give to absolutely everyone. You don't have to give to every telemarketer that calls up at dinner time. You don't have to give to every uh, salesperson who rocks up on the doorstep. You don't have to give to every charity that's out there. Although, make no mistake, giving to charity is certainly a good thing, and especially those that are telling people about Jesus. But you know what Jesus is saying here, okay? What he is saying here is that if you see someone who truly is in need, you have an obligation to give to them. You have an obligation to do something for them. That's radical love. But you know, even more than that, our love, is, our love should be so radical that it never gets to that point. It never gets to the point where members of our family, our brothers and sisters here are in need. Our love should be so radical that it never gets to the point where, that, uh, never gets to the point where we're led to steal from one another, where it gets to the point that we're tempted to hurt one another just to survive. You see, radical love will mean that we're constantly looking for chances to care for one another, to protect one another to provide one another, to do good for one another, to pray for one another. And look, if we do see someone who's truly in need, it's our obligation to help them, to do good for them. If you were in need, what would you want someone to do for you? Now look, that's not all that Jesus says about radical love. He goes on and ramps it up even further. He goes on to describe how our love has got to be so radically different from the people, from the world around us. Now, you might remember back in chapter 5 and verse 32, a couple of weeks ago, Jesus said, I've not come to call sinners, sorry, I've not not, not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Well, he's going to go on here to say that as sinners who've repented, sure, you've got to love like sinners, but your love has got to be way more radical than that. Have a look with me in verse 32. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. Now, let me tell you, when you're a parent of young children, there's this strange kind of dynamic. 
where as you train and teach your kids, you've got to do what you're training them to do, but you've got to do even more than that. Let me give you an example. We're training some of our children in correct toilet etiquette at the moment. So you know things like when you go to the toilet, make sure you shut the door. Try and get everything into the toilet bowl. That's a hard one. When you finish, make sure you flush the toilet and wash your hands. That kind of stuff. And look, when they do it, it's great. It's a credit to them. They're learning. They're growing. But when I do it, it's no credit to me. That's just what I should do. I know, I know how to do those things. I'm an adult. But in fact, I've got to do even more than that. After I go to the toilet, I've got to make sure the toilet's clean. I've got to make sure the little map thing around the toilet's in the right spot. I've got to make sure there's enough toilet paper left for the next person. Friends, what Jesus is saying here is, sure, love like everyone else. But that's no credit to you. Your love has got to be radical. Sure, by all means, love those who love you. By all means, do good to those who do good to you. Certainly, lend to people who will pay you back. But you've got to do more than that. Verse 35. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Why? Because loving radically will show that you've got a great reward in heaven. It'll show that you're one of God's children. Not to be one of God's children, but to show that you are one of God's children. And look, children, whether they like it or not, they're like their parents. And we're told here in verse 36, God, our Father, is merciful. And so radical love, it'll show through in being merciful. It'll show through in not even distinguishing between friends and enemies. You see that? No distinguishing between friends and enemies. We'll love them all the same. We'll love everyone. We'll seek what's best for everyone. We'll do good to everyone. We'll pray for everyone. We'll bless everyone. We'll give generous to, generously to everyone without expecting anything back. Friends, let me ask you again. Are you hearing Jesus' words here? Don't let them go in one ear and out the other. Jesus doesn't want us to leave the building this morning not doing anything about this. So look, how are you going to love radically this week? Now we've kind of at this point kind of started to move into the next thing that Jesus is calling us to. And that's radical generosity. And the link here between radical love and radical generosity, it's really God's character. We've already seen in verse 36 he's described as a merciful father. And so that means as his children will be merciful, will love radically. And it also means as his children will be radically generous. Have a look at verse 37 with me. And as we read, as we hear Jesus' words here, I want you to see if you can notice two things. A command and a prohibition. In other words, something we're commanded to do and something we're commanded not to do or something we're forbidden to do, okay? Verse 37. Do not judge 
and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Can you hear what Jesus is saying here? You see, the command here is to have an attitude that is hesitant, reticent, slow to condemn, and quick to forgive. And at the same time, Jesus prohibits this other attitude of arrogance, the kind of attitude that reacts to people with hostility when they make a mistake, the kind of attitude like that of the Pharisees, this attitude of self-righteousness. My wife Sarah and I, we sometimes ask each other the question, how are you going at being a Jane? How are you going at being a Jane? Sounds a bit weird, I know, a bit cryptic. But it's a reference to Miss Jane Bennett. You know, a character, she's a character in the novel Pride and Prejudice. Now, Miss Jane Bennett, she always sees the best in people. She's always really slow to condemn really quick to forgive, even when people have obviously hurt her. So how do you go at being a Jane? Are you merciful and gracious? Are you quick to forgive? Or are you quick to condemn? Do you hold a grudge? This might be a good test. Try and think of someone who's hurt you recently. Try and think of someone who's wronged you recently. Chances are, if you thought of someone easily like that, maybe two or three people, then chances are, perhaps you're too quick to condemn. Too slow to show mercy, too slow to forgive. And look, there's a warning for us in this section. Have a look at verse 38. Give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. And hear this, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Friends, we saw earlier that there will be a day when God will reward his people. He'll reward those who have trusted in his son Jesus. But look, God promises to deal with not just those who have trusted in Jesus, he promises to deal with everyone with each person. And look, the tone of his dealings with us, it's influenced in some way by how we've dealt with others. Do you get that? Can you see that here? God is going to deal with you once and for all. And the tone of how he deals with you is going to be influenced by how you've dealt with others. So friends, please hear Jesus' call to radical generosity. By all means, do what it takes to be generous. Be merciful. Hear Jesus' words here. Don't just let it go in one ear and out the other. Remember, Luke's gone to great pains to make sure we know this can't just go in one ear and out the other. It's not good enough. We've got to hear Jesus' words, sure. But we've got to hear them and put them into practice. 
And look, in his sermon, if you look a bit ahead, Jesus tells a few parables. Talks about a blind man leading a blind man. They both fall into a pit. Talks about a student and his master. The student is not above his master. Might be he will like him eventually. Talks about a guy trying to get a speck of sawdust out of his brother's eye when he's got a big plank, big veranda sticking out of his own eye. That's dumb. You've got to take the plank out of your own eye first to see clearly. We've got to be careful who we listen to, friends. That's the point of these parables here. Friends, hear Jesus' words this morning. Listen to Jesus. Don't let these words go in one ear and out the other as soon as you leave here this morning. Because, you know, that's going to be the temptation. As soon as you walk out the door, you're going to get in your car, you're going to go home, and you're going to do whatever jobs you've got to do to get ready for work tomorrow morning. And you're just going to forget all this stuff. Friends, that would be a terrible tragedy. Hear Jesus' words. Hear them. Keep them in. But even more than that, put them into practice. Have a look at verse 46 again with me. Verse 46. Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I'll show you what he's like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He's like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice, well, he's like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. You know, when I was a kid, I don't know, I was maybe 10, 11, 12, something like that, we lived on a little hobby farm just outside of a town called Oberon, a small town near Bathurst. And one day, the bloke who owned the block next door, he decided to build a house. And, you know, he started working away. But right from the start, you could tell that it was bodgy. You know, the preparation was hopeless. There was really shallow foundation. The slab was thin. And all the materials he used for the frames were like secondhand bits of rubbish. Anyway, after a few weeks, the frame was up. You could tell it was kind of a house shape. Looked okay to me. Not a builder, but it looked okay. But you know, that night there was a storm and there was a really strong wind came up the valley and in the morning looking out the window, there were just bits of wood strewn everywhere. It was completely destroyed. And friends, Jesus says, that's us. Our destruction will be complete if having heard Jesus' words this morning, we let them go in one ear and out the other if we don't put them into practice. Now, I don't know about you, but I find it really helpful to have something concrete if I'm going to try and put something into practice. So if you've got your, the bulletin there, there's a spot down the bottom of the outline. I'm going to give you a minute now. Have a think about how you're going to put Jesus' words into practice this week. Be practical. Be realistic. Be concrete. How are you going to have a radical focus this week? How are you going to love radically this week? How are you going to be radically generous this week? You know, perhaps you could set aside some time each day this week to read 
some of those fantastic passages that talk about how wonderful heaven's going to be. Passages that remind you that Jesus, he is coming back. Maybe there's someone who's been giving you a hard time who thinks who you think hates you. Why not commit to praying for them every day this week? Why not think of something good you could do for them? Perhaps you need to forgive that person. Maybe you could have a think about here, our church family or your workplace or your neighbourhood. Think of someone, is there someone who's genuinely in need? Try and think of a practical and realistic way to help them. But look, don't be tied down too much. Be radical. Show radical love. How are you going at being generous? Are you just storing up cash? Why not give some away this week? Be radically generous. Give until it hurts. Of course, it doesn't have to be money. You can be generous with your time. Our great God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that we can meet here freely as your people to read it and think about it together and hear Jesus' words. And Father, we really pray, uh, please help us to not just let this go in one ear and out the other, to forget about it as soon as we walk out the door. Father, we want to be people who bring honour and glory to you, and so we want to be people who are changed and shaped by your word, people who live how you want us to live. You know, we don't want to be like that person in James who looks in the mirror and then turns away and immediately forgets what he looks like. We want to be people who look into your word, who love your word, who are excited by it, uh, who understand it, and who are shaped and changed by it. Father, we pray, please, working us powerfully by your spirit to do that. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen.